Hey. Hi. This is Eli. Um, thanks for listening. Um, it's, uh, it's morning time. I'm driving in the motor car. Traveling up north of, uh, Santa Rosa. Uh, well, I'm just outside of Oakland now. Uh, on 580, about to get on the Richmond Bridge. Saw some warnings for high wind on the Richmond Bridge. Uh, it's exciting going across these bridges when the wind is blowing. I do love weather, you know. Um, it's exciting. Rain, wind, and stuff. Very emotional things. Uh, so, here we are doing some traveling between jobs. Um, going to make some little glass parts today. Had a good weekend making um, glass things, teaching glass classes, teaching some people about making paperweights and showing some people how to make little things on a torch, flame working. We're going to have to do some serious flame working talk. Uh, been thinking about that a lot, flame working and cold working glass things. Um, you know, but today I thought I should probably talk about something more important, like sheetrock. Uh, because sheetrocking, I think it's a really important part of any artist's journey. And knowing about it and thinking about it is really helpful. But I've also been thinking about this podcast, why I'm doing this, and who in the world would be listening to this. Um, maybe if you're listening present time, um, maybe you're somebody I know that I'm, that I'm making you listen to, to try to get feedback, but you're not giving me any feedback, you're just telling me it's fine, even though you're not listening. Um, but maybe, you know, you're listening to the future because you're tired and you want to fall asleep, and this is a great podcast to fall asleep to. I feel like that's a good, good reason to have a podcast, is that, um, you want to fall asleep. So you put your headphones on. You want somebody to ramble on to you about some things they kind of know a little bit about. I like listening to podcasts where people kind of know things, know a lot about things, maybe know some things about things, and kind of you can hear their brain kind of churning through an idea that they're trying to figure out. Uh, I enjoy that stuff. So maybe there's another two or three people out there that like that. You know, I thought... Like, you know, I'll make this, I'll, I'll, like, start recording some craft stuff, and I'll be able to talk about, like, specific craft things, and just kind of keep it, like, you know, keep it PG, like, not have swears, and focus on the different crafts, and not, like, go off about, like, depression and drugs. But, I mean, come on, let's be real here. Like, it's me, so I'm probably going to talk about depression and drugs. Um, both of which I think are big parts of my life. And um, you can't really talk about craft without talking about those things. I mean, those two parts are like pretty integral and they drive the craft machine in a lot of ways. And I think we all want to sugarcoat it and make it nice and fluffy, but this shit is hard. It's confusing being a craftsperson. It's confusing learning about it. It's hard to learn about it and share about it. 
uh, and so many people I know in the craft world have just done way too many drugs. And I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. Um, and I think it's something we can all talk about and enjoy having a laugh about. Um, I don't know. I'm not trying to like swear too much, but I feel like I'm definitely going to be doing some swearing because that's what the fuck I do, you know? Um, I tell stories, tell silly stories with swear words in them. And I could maybe, maybe I'll make a different podcast. It's just like really nice, well recorded, good audio and like very focused and interviewing very crafty people and like really getting into specifics and like you and your mom can listen to it. But for now, I think that like, you know, my crowd is like 20 somethings that are really hot that would need to fall asleep. They're trying not to do drugs, they're just trying to fall asleep and they want something funny about craft to listen to. Um, or maybe, you know, because if you're old, you're probably like, this would piss you off. If you're old like me, and um, you got somebody rambling on to you about some stuff, you're just going to be pissed about it. You're probably already pissed anyways. Um, so, good morning. Good morning, or good evening. Hope you're having a good snooze. I'm glad that you put me in the headphones to lull you to sleep. Um, sheetrocking, putting up sheetrock and mudding, plastering sheetrock walls, um, the history of lath and plaster, why we use sheetrock and the fireproof component of it and the different ways we use sheetrock in art walls and things, you know, sheetrock anchors and why you would have plywood underneath sheetrock. Man, these are such fascinating, interesting things. Uh, some of my first art shows, I um, would build walls into incorporate wall building into the installation. Uh, an architectural intervention, like engaging with the space, to me seemed like a simple, straightforward way to do it was to augment the wall structure of the wall layout, to build a new wall into the space. And using traditional building methods, you know, just building a two-by-four wall and then putting sheetrock on top of that wall uh, is a, a great way to engage with that, with the architecture and to, uh, you know, reinvent or to address the layout of the space and to augment the layout of the space and to change it to something, you know, a simple putting in a small wall uh, or a big wall, but a single wall, a couple walls, just like building a wall into a space can really change the feel of that space, making it you know, smaller, making little hidey holes, like turning it into something uh, you can really... Uh, 
do a lot um, to a space with the wall. And I think that that was always a really fascinating thing for me um, as a young artist in my early 20s, um, back when I would fall asleep to podcasts. And um, using sheetrocking as a way, like, it was also, I think, part of this is learning sheetrocking and construction trades younger, too, is that it was a way to kind of bridge this gap between contemporary art, conceptual art, and construction backgrounds to, like, bring in some knowledge from my teenage and early 20 years that felt like very formative and important and to you know bring in that base level of of knowledge and to begin speaking that language in the gallery from that foundational level of like actual physical space um and to physically intervene and to not be confined by that white cube or scared of those white cube edges, to be able to cut through them and engage with them, bring them out further or break through them so that it didn't feel like that was the only... Um, that that was a limited factor. In that the the walls weren't a limit. The walls were part of that art. Um, and so using and using the construction arts, I think also felt like a way to make my work accessible, to make it so that it was like, it was, it's, it is a real thing. It can be accessed by a real person, you know, somebody that can do G-Rock on a wall. So, got a couple different dimensions of G-Rock. Uh, generally, it's going to come in a 4 by 8 sheet, like a piece of plywood. There's 4 by 10s also, uh, but that's usually when you're just getting into big space. Then um, you could probably get it bigger than 4 also, but I feel like 4 by 8 is really, really standard. And then a half inch dimension uh, thickness is also really standard. Um, there's 5 eighths. And there's quarter inch. Quarter inch is really usually more expensive. Um, and then five eighths is like to it's like a fire code thing. You might need a five eighths, or you might double up on a five eighths. But five eighths is pretty is is also fairly uncommon, and it's really heavy and really hard to work with. Um, so half inch, four by eights are pretty standard, and generally they're going to always come with. The vertical edges are going to be have a little like two inch taper on them, uh, so that 
you can put tape in between them, um, like a, a paper tape or there's a cloth kind of like fiberglassy tape that goes in between them and then you mud over that and that connects the sheets. Uh, and you put it vertical so that the eight goes a long way and then you, you tape in between those seams. And um, I suppose maybe that's where if you're getting the four by tens, it's where you might like have a ceiling that's over eight um, so that you could just have a single sheet from floor to ceiling. Uh, in a gallery setting and sometimes for fireproofing or certain structural needs, you would have plywood underneath the sheetrock. And in a gallery setting, it's really nice to have plywood, sometimes even two layers, either one layer of three-quarter inch or two layers of half inch, so that you've got something to screw to um, behind the sheetrock. That's always a nice thing to have uh, wood to screw into so you don't have to try to hit the studs on 16s or uh, and whatever spacing they're at just usually 16. Um, so you're going to get your sheets of sheetrock in 4x8 and they're going to be maybe you're going to get a big fucking stack. Um you're going to want to, <coughs> for those joints, when you're sticking them together, um, you're going to want to mud in between those. You're going to want to put a piece of tape down, and you're going to want to put some mud down. And look, you're probably going to want hot mud. You're going to want to use plaster, real talk. Um. You might have heard that you might be using something else. You might be using some sort of joint compound. That stuff's going to shrink, and it's not going to set like you want it, and it's not going to be strong enough. And you really want to get good at hot mud. If you want to put down sheetrock, you need to know about some plaster. And it's just fucking plaster, right? There's like 20-minute, 30-minute, 60-minute, 90-minute. It's all just plaster. And... If you're using hot mud, you probably just want it to be faster. You don't need to wait 90 minutes because you don't fucking need 90 minutes. You need about four minutes to get that hot mud up on the wall. Uh, it's called hot mud because it actually gets hot when it kicks. And if it's actually getting hot, then you fucked up and it's too long. Don't use it. Uh, throw it away. Try again. Don't mix up too much. Here's some tools you're going to want. You're going to need to have um, two kind of trowels. One's a putty knife and one's a trowel. And you're going to want a big trowel, like a 14 or 12 inch. And maybe if you have two of those matching ones, that'd be nice. And then you have a mud tray. It's a little metal or a red plastic thing. It's a little trough that's maybe... 14 or 16 inches, it's a little bigger than your trowel, so your trowel can fit in it. Um, and if it's not metal, 
Man, a plastic maybe one. There's a lip that's metal on it, so that you can scrape the edge of your trowel on that uh, to keep it clean. Because you're gonna want to keep your trowel really clean. You don't want to get mud stuck on it. You want to wash it off. Want to scrape it off. You want to keep it clean. Then you got your little putty knife. You want it with the one of the little flexible fuckers, like inch and a half, and it's really flexible. Um, if it's stiff, it's not going to do what you need it to do. Um, and so you want, there's a certain kind that's like flexible, it's thin, it's cheap. But the flexibility is really important for putting over the, the screw holes and, or nail holes on the sheetrock. And... So you got your trowel, you got your putty knife, you got your tray, and then you also want a utility blade, uh, just a regular, the Stanley, like, gray one with a little flip-out yellow tray, the sliding thing. The Fat Max are just too, they're, like, too crazy, but they work. But that kind that takes the kind of, like, it's, what shape is that blade? It's, like... A triangle with the top cut off. It's like it's some sort of um, triangle, equilateral. It's a parallelogram of some sort, right? Um, but those sides are parallelized. Well, um, it's a razor blade called a utility knife, and it's got a blade that has two sides to it. I wish I knew the shape of that blade. Sorry, but you know what I'm talking about. Uh, it used to be that you have to screw them apart to replace the blades. Now you have that little slide-out part. Um, and those blades are good for cutting the paper on the sheetrock for prepping it. Then another thing you want is a little keyhole saw. Um, it's like a saw with a four- or six-inch blade that kind of looks like a knife, but it's a saw. Those things are great, man. Those are really great saws. You can do a fucking lot with a keyhole saw. Um, so you got those little tools, right? Um, you're probably not going to need any stilts. But stilts are a thing you might want to fuck around with when you're sheetrocking. Um, because you're going to need to get up high, and you're going to get up there and move around. And you go up and down, and so rather than have a ladder, you just got get on stilts. I know that sounds crazy, but you're a sheetrocker, and you're on drugs. So of course you need fucking stilts. Um, all right, so best sheetrocker I ever met was a dude named Jorge in Tacoma from Honduras, and he taught me a lot. Like, I had known about some sheetrocking, but, like, he really showed me some, like, moves with mixing up the mud and, like, how much you actually want to mix up. And, like, how you want to, like, really finesse it. Uh, so that's, I think, where a lot of my subtle knowledge comes from. Um, so, Tacoma. That was a really beautiful time. 2006 in Tacoma. Learned some things. Learned a thing or two about sheetrocking. So, um, Hotman. You're going to mix up a little bit of plaster 
in your tray. And you just want to throw a little bit of... So here's the thing. It's like I learned about mixing up plaster from Anna Hepler, a famous printmaker. And she taught me that... And this is a standard kind of like you get some water and you pour plaster, dry plaster into it until the plaster is floating on top and it's not sinking as much. And I pour it slowly in there and it sinks and it sinks and it sinks and then it just kind of sits on top for a second. And that's the moment you know you got enough plaster in there. And that's a helpful way when you're mixing plaster and that's good. But if you're mixing up hot mud, you actually want it to be a paste. You don't want it to be very wet. Uh, and so you have to do it. You gotta, you start with dry, and you add water to it, which has got potential to make it more chunky. But that's where you're going to fucking mix it, and you're going to mix it right. And if you're actually doing this as a job, you might start as um, a person that... Um, was just mixing mud trays. Like, you got three sheetrocker dudes that need mud, and you're just mixing up trays and passing them a tray with a little bit of mud in it ready to go. And you're kind of on, like, it takes you a couple minutes to mix each batch. It takes them a couple minutes to use it, and so you're just mixing up little batches at a time. Because hot mud, you don't want to, you can't mix up a huge batch. When I just mix up a little bit at a time because it's kicking as you go. Um, and that's all part of the like process, part of the fun, is that you're mixing up these little batches that are working perfectly for what you need, and they're kicking as you go. And if you kind of got it right, you mix up just enough so it's starting to get hot and thick as you're laying in your last little bit. Um, and you're kind of chasing after that that heat and that um, that perfect plaster perfection because after it kicks then you got it on the wall and it's getting hard and you can start to knock it down and sand it back like just as it's even when it's still wet and still kind of kicking you still have you got a little bit of time to work we'll get to there but for now we just want to mix up this dry mix with the water and so you're going to put the dry mix in there first, and then you're going to add water to that. And this is where you're going to use your little putty knife to mix it. And so you're kind of scraping it back and forth in the tray, back and forth in a long way, getting it mixed up and squeezing out the lumps and making sure that it's not lumpy and it's nice and smooth, kind of buttery smooth. Um, what is that consistency? It's like a little less than peanut butter, but, you know, some nice creamy peanut butter. You know, not too thick, not chunky, but like smooth fucking toothpaste or something, you know? So you're mixing up this nice toothpaste paste in there, back and forth, and if you go once you get it like you put in a little bit of dry mix you know we're talking like half a cup or a cup of plaster 
and then you add the right amount of water. <clears throat> and that you'll get used to. You can add a little more water. You can add a little more powder as you go. <clears throat> also hard to keep that from getting chunky, but you can do it. Once you get it, you'll figure out, like, you put in this much dry mix, and then you put in that much water, and you just do it right the first time. And then you mix it up, and uh, you got a nice little bit of mud there. And you already know where it's going to go, and you're ready to go. You don't have to, like, go fidget with your wall stuff. Like, you're already, your wall's prepped, you got it cleaned, everything's ready to go. And so then... You got that mud mixed up, and you got your big trowel now, and using your big trowel, and you can use your big trowel with the tray, or maybe you use the trowel with a small putty knife. Maybe you're going over the screw holes just with the putty knife, and so you're going to grab a little bit on your trowel, and you're going to hold your trowels like kind of a paint palette, and then you use your little putty knife and go over the screw heads. Um, that's where the flexibility of that little putty knife is going to come in. But first, <clears throat> let's get back to our sheetrock because we got to get the sheetrock on the wall. Um, and let's say we just got studs. We don't have we don't have plywood, so we're not going on top of plywood. We're just going on to studs, sixteen on centers. Uh, so we're going to land. On the plot, on the two by fours, and and we're gonna center it so that it, it's on the edge. You're just on half of a two by four, so that when the two sheets meet, they can meet. They both get onto that two by four, and you got to make sure that your stud layout is okay, so that you can get the whole thing, the whole edge. Because it's really important to have your sheetrock on a stud on the edges. All edges should be in contact with studs. So on your vertical edge, you should have a vertical stud. And then if you got the top edges, if you got it open and you're going to need to put a little sister, like a little horizontal stud in there. And you're going to have to have a little, a little one in there. And so that there's no flex, because you can't have it be flexible. You have to have the sheetrock has to have like good rigid backing. Um, <coughs> So you're going to need to make sure that <clears throat> all exterior edges of your sheetrock are <clears throat> have studs behind them. And then 16 on center. And this is where you're also going to have to consult your code. Like, what's the building code for what you're doing? And do you actually, for some reason, need, like, 12-inch on center studs? Um do you need two by sixes? What you know? What do you need behind that wall? That's important to know. Then, what is the uh, screw schedule? And you should be screwing. If you're nailing your sheetrock, you're either on drugs, which is okay, because um, you're doing sheetrock, or you're really good at nails. And that's okay, too. If you're really good at nails, it's good to be good at nails. Um, if you were nailing by hand, then you're going to have to be really careful to not 
whack that sheetrock with your hammer and fuck it up. You're going to have to sink your nails just fucking right. I, I mean, that's like, that's an ancient art of putting on sheetrock with nails and not fucking it up. Um, if you're using a nail gun, you're going to have to have your nail gun set just to the right pressure so that you are just sinking that nail just below the surface, but you're not blowing through it. Um, and so that's also an ancient art of not fucking that up. Which might even take us back to the ancient art of lath and plaster. Um, lath being horizontal wood strut, wood straps. And then plaster being the mud that goes over the top of it. And this is kind of the the origination of this sheetrock, um, of that gypsum board, that you might, instead of, so you got your two by fours or on your vertical members, and then you're going to put a bunch of strips of wood over the top of that. So vertical two by fours. And this is in 1890, you're building your house, and you got your verticals, and then across that, you're going to put a bunch of strips of wood that are like a quarter inch thick, and they're all kind of the same dimension, but they're all rough cut, and it's a little crazy, because you're cutting them with a handsaw, and you put those across all everything. First, you put some like newspaper behind there so that you can insulate it. Um, newspaper and horsehair and then you put your horizontal lath across that and then you're just going to plaster across the whole face of that it's like some crazy inside stucco where you're just like putting this hot mud over the whole face of that and then the spacing in between those lath is such that it's enough that the plaster can kind of squeeze in between and hold it, but it's not so much that's going to fall through. And so you're kind of like, you know, I don't, I've not done that with a pro. Um, so I don't know what the exact spacing, but I imagine somewhere in that quarter inch to half inch in between the lath um, is the correct spacing for that. And then you're going to mud across that. And then you're going to just like, evenly mud across that whole thing and this is like even more high-tech muddy where you are making a perfect um, mud sheet across the outside of that and laying it out just so um, and not messing that up that sounds hard, right? Uh, it's hard back in the old timey days. You had to know so much more, so many more possibilities to mess it up. But that also gave it a little bit of a fireproofing and not as easy to screw to and stuff. And you probably had to make your nails by hand, um, hand forge your nails, um, which is also good for the soul. It's really good for you. So, you don't have to do that. You don't have to hand make your nails and cut your wood by hand and then harvest your plaster from the earth. Um, you just go to the store. So, you're going to use screws on your sheetrock, I'm guessing. 
and you're going to want to screw your sheetrock into the 2x4s using sheetrock screws. So it's black screws, usually Phillips head, because you don't need a lot of torque on them. You're just sinking them onto the wood, and you just need, you know, they're going to be an inch or inch and a half long screws, and they're just going to go through the sheetrock, and they're just going to grab enough wood to hold on to. This is, again, probably something that's there's actual code for the length of screw you might need to actually hold this. and Because there is a slight structural component to sheetrock. Like, it'll rigidize your wall. Like, when you're building your 2x4 wall and then you put sheetrock on it, it's going to give it a little rigidity. It's going to add some structural integrity to it. So you're tying it all in. Um, and then for that structural integrity and for the fire safety, it's going to be a certain amount of screws like in the field, across the board, across the sheetrock is going to be like every 10 inches and then on the edges will be every eight inches you're going to need a screw something like that and so you put up the sheetrock and then you put all those screws on it and then you mud over that um and then you got a sheetrock wall right that's what you're trying to do that's what you said you were going to do that's what you promised you were so you got some sheetrock and you stick it on the wall and now you're going to screw it on. You got it laid out and you got figured out that you're going to, it's going to take you 10 sheets and you're going to do it in this configuration and you're going to do it right. And you got some electric panel or electric boxes that you need to account for. You got some plumbing holes you need to account for. So you're laying that stuff out and you're going to use your little keyhole saw or your Utility, uh, utility knife to cut those holes and maybe prep those holes. If you can do it and just like cut the holes before you stick it up, it's best rather than trying to chase after them when they're up. But there's ways that you can cut holes when everything's up. But if you're doing a smaller job and you know where the holes are going to go, then you might want to cut the holes before you put the sheetrock up. And then you can look and see and match and make sure you got the holes all right. Um, so then, put your sheetrock up, gonna screw it on, and you're gonna put those screws in there so they also don't sink deep into the sheetrock, because if you tear through a bunch of that sheetrock and you put the screw up, you just fucked up the whole structural integrity of that screw, and now that screw doesn't count, it doesn't matter. If the inspector sees that, and since your screws all go too deep, you fuck this up, then you have to either rip that sheetrock off or put in new screws to hold it. If it's like too torn out, you gotta just take the whole thing off. If you got a couple screws to go through, you can just put new screws in it. If the screw goes too far, it doesn't it doesn't count as a screw that's working anymore. It's doing its job. So don't fuck that up. Um But you want it to go deep enough, you have to get it underneath the surface, because when you putty over it, you need to be able to put a little mud in there. You can't have it sticking out. You can't have the screw proud at all. It has to go underneath. 
And so there's a paper layer on top of that sheetrock. And you're basically just going to pull into that paper layer. And so the screws sit just below that paper layer. And so that's why it's hard also to do the nails, because nails are like extra tricky to get to just go just right, but also to not be wrong. Um, so think about that, right? Think about that. Screws on the surface. You got screws every eight to ten inches all around the whole damn thing, in the field, on the two by fours, around on the edges. And you're also be careful on the edges, like on that on that vertical edge that's got the little taper on it on that two by four that you're hitting on only three quarter inches of the two by four because the two by four that vertical two by four it's really it's an, it's an inch and a half surface that you're trying to hit and so you're only getting to use three quarter inch for each side of the plywood of the each side of the sheetrock um if you have that screw too far out on the edge of the sheetrock and you push it too far in, you can kind of bust that edge out and push that edge past that vertical line and make it so the two pieces of sheetrock can't kiss perfectly. You can't connect. So you have to be careful also that you're not cramming screws right along that edge and blowing that edge out and making that not connect to the other edge correctly. So you're being careful on that edge also. Sometimes you might even be going at a little bit of an angle with the screw on that 2x4, like just to get it to just land correctly. But that's like, you got to be real careful with that angling in there and like how that's going to pull because it's going to make the head of the screw sit weird so you just like there's some real finesse on those edges and those screws are really important that like they hold it correctly um, and they don't they don't do it wrong you gotta do it right uh, so got some screws on it get all your screws on now, got all your screws on, and now you want to get some mud on those holes. I'm going to get a little little batch of hot mud so you can fill your screw holes. And probably you're going to want to clean things. You're going to want to clean it real good now because you don't want... You don't want to deal with shit in your plaster. You want it to be pretty good. So you might want to wipe it down with a damp cloth. Not a wet cloth. Dry cloth might be okay, but a little damp is going to help you like pull off some of that stuff. Getting all your dust and dirt, sawdust, and chunks of other things. Because once you get a chunk in your plaster... It really will just like mess it up. It'll like scrape lines in it, and then it'll always, always be chasing after that little chunk. So, if you can clean and prep things and get it ready to accept mud and not 
be all dirty. Um, maybe especially like down on the floor or along edges that might have contact with like if you're doing some remodeling or something like some weird edges like there's a place where you might pick up some dirt and stuff so like be aware of that uh if you want to tape on the floor or lay out some um uh a tarp or a sheet so that you're not making a mess uh, you might want to do that depending on whether you're gonna you're gonna paint and things like that putting down something on the floor is not gonna hurt some people they're just not gonna put things on the floor because they're either gonna do it right or they're just got plans to clean it or they just don't care um, generally it's not gonna hurt to throw some tape and and paper on the floor to protect it. Um, you might have already done that in preparation for this, uh, thinking that you're going to make a mess, so you're going to cover the floor. If you're in a gallery setting, it's kind of easiest to just cover the floor uh, from the get-go. And now you got that little hot mud, you got that little putty knife, and you want to get those screw holes filled. And so you're going to go over those screw holes with that little putty knife. And here's where that flexibility really matters. Because what you want to do is you want to flex that putty knife so it kind of lays flat on the wall with a little bit of mud in there. And you want to just squeeze it in such a way that as you pass the putty knife over the hole, it kind of spooges out a little bit and makes that screw head proud. So the whole thing is kind of sitting proud, and there's kind of like edge around it. And that is the ideal thing that you want to leave. You're not actually, when you're mudding those holes, you're not actually leaving them flush. You want them a little proud. You want a little bit extra because there's a little bit of shrinkage and you're going to knock all this stuff down later and you need it to be you need it to eventually lay perfectly flat so you want to start with it a little bit sticking out a little proud um, and then because it's hot mud you don't want to mess with it too much you want to just kind of get it on there and you want the smaller putty knife, the inch and a quarter, maybe even an inch or like a three-quarter inch, like a little thin one that you're using so that when you pass over that screw head, you should, if you pass over one time and you remove the putty knife and you look, you're going to have the screw head in the center with a little bit of plaster sticking out of it, a little domed plaster shape. And then the width of that putty knife on either side you're going to have a little line from the putty so that the putty knife kind of spooged out around the sides of it so you have a perfect little dome and then a little stripe an inch and a half outside uh inch and a half spacing on either side from that the outside of the putty knife and then you take the putty knife and wipe 
those little bits off. And then you're saving that mud. And that's the part where you also clean and prep the wall so that there's not a bunch of dust or weird stuff because you are going to lay down mud on the wall and then scrape it back off and still use it. You, If you're really being tight, you could use like you could scrape that stuff with a different knife or use the other side of your putty knife or your trowel and remove that stuff and not and toss that stuff but especially in this little space you might just be muddying these little holes in such a way that you're going to be using a small amount of plaster and if it starts to kind of dry out and get a little weird you're going to be tossing you're making little batches of this plaster so it's not like you're reusing the whole thing. You're, you, you're using it, and you kind of get down to the dirty end and in 10, 20 minutes, and then you throw that away. Then you make a new batch. So um, you don't have to be super obsessive about, like, if it goes on the wall, you can't use it. So use it. It's good. you got to keep the wall clean. So you lay laying down your little putting knife if you're careful also you can do this with a tr with the big trowel there's a couple different ways to do this but the, the easiest and cleanest way to do it is with a little putty knife doing these screw holes so lay it down make that proud then you've got your little lines you scrape that off and now you look and all you have is the screw hole with a with a little domed plaster on it maybe there's a little bit around it and stuff don't fuck with that stuff around it don't get too close. Don't get too obsessive. Like, just get up close as you can. But, like, imagine a little area around that screw hole, you know, that if the screw hole itself is three-eighths of an inch, you're going to be not worried about a half-inch or a three-quarter-inch diameter circle around it. Because it's it's wet mud. It's wet and you can't, like, you don't want to fuck with it. It's not thick like a joint compound. It's a little wetter. Um, it's pasty. It's fucking toothpaste. So you're, like, sculpting with this magic toothpaste, and you don't want to fuck with it. You want it to be, like, pretty good. It doesn't need to look perfect right now. If it was joint compound, you might be doing this a little different because joint compound is kind of, like, it doesn't. You just have to go and sand it. It doesn't have a moment when you can clean it, and that's what the hot mud is going to offer you. Is there's a moment before it gets hard when you can come in after it's kicked, before it's crazy hard, when you can knock it down again, and it's like set up a little more, a little harder than a joint compound, and you can knock it down and make it crispy then you will come in and sand it you can also just leave it and come in and sand it later because it also sands really well but you have like in 20 minutes or a half hour you'll have a little moment there where you can come in and knock it down and make it uh, crispy because you really you're really going for crispy that's the whole deal you're a sheetrocker like everything else in your life you fucked up but you can make a good fucking sheetrock wall. That's kind of like, that's your feeling. It's like, this is where you're going to shine in life. Um, so, sheetrocking. Oh, all this talk is sheetrocking. I really miss it. You know, I miss this, like, this 
part where you're kind of like lost in a tiny little thing that is kind of inconsequential. It doesn't really matter. It's all going to disappear. But man, it fucking matters. Man, that screw hole matters. So you get all your screw holes butted and domed out a little bit. And you've got like a certain, you're not trying to do the whole thing. You've got a certain area you're trying to do that you kind of fill with the mud because you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself. You want to kind of work in a pattern that's like, you know, a couple sheets at a time or a couple walls or one room or something that like gives you kind of a certain area that you can accomplish and get done with this hot mud. So you've hot mudded your screw holes, and now you need to get all your seams taped and mudded. And so if you're using a paper, a more like traditional paper tape, you're going to lay down a little mud in between your seam. And this is the seams. The vertical seams have a little trough in them like they taper on either side of the sheetrock for like two inches so that you can fit in the tape and some mud and it still sits below and you're going to lay down some mud a thin layer of mud and then you're going to put the paper over the top of that and then you're going to lay some more mud on top of that. This is where it's like dealing with like paper that will, it's like, it, you know, once it dries and hardens, it gives some real integrity. But there's a moment when it's like it's soft and papery and trying to get that paper to lay flat and not get bubbles in it and having your mud wet enough so that the paper sticks to it. Um... It's really magic watching somebody that does this well, that's able to lay down a strip of mud and put down paper on top and follow with mud. Like, it's really, it happens really fast and really smooth. Um, and I've found that it's like to get that really smooth moment you might have to do it a couple times you know to get it right because once you get it wrong and once you've got like some bubbles in that paper or and it's kind of got some like you put a couple you try to put a couple layers of mud over it and now it's not working it's like sticking or peeling or like getting furry like it's just fucked you may as well just take it off and try again um or just let it dry and come back to it and knock it all down and fix it later. But really getting a good layer of mud. I feel like getting a little bit thicker laid down so you're not being shy about it on that first layer. And then you're coming over and you're laying down the paper with mud on your trowel on top. Like all of once so that you've got one layer of mud and then you come over with a layer of mud with the paper underneath and you're kind of pushing it on and somehow magically your trowel has like enough plaster on it and your angle is such that you can just feed it just so and i think there's some sort of like 
fucking trowel feeder like gun things that have like the roll on it with the plaster on it but um it's definitely possible to just do this all with like a roll on your belt and just a trowel and a little tray um it's definitely you see somebody do it and they make it look easy and they make it look totally possible then you try it it's virtually impossible um, Jorge, man, he really, this was like where he really shined. He, really, he may have had too much to drink most of the time, but man, and his life may have been in shambles, but his sheetrock was crispy. So, um, the fiberglassy sort of tape stuff is pretty nice to use and maybe a little easier to use. This doesn't have the flexibility, like it doesn't absorb um, the moisture like the paper does. Uh, it doesn't get soggy like the paper does. But it also doesn't stick like the paper does so there's something about the paper that's just really nice in that it like it does stick to the plastic in the same way and the fiberglass is also um it's harder to sand and so it's like it's and, and it may be that also like there's moments when like structurally like it, it is called for um that you might want uh, fiberglass over the paper. Uh, but if you can get away with the paper, I think that you're going to be pleased with the results. So put some mud down. You put some, ta put some paper on top. Then you mud another layer on it. And that's where you just get that fucking right. You get that mud right on that second layer. And you don't mess that up. Because you don't want to come down. You only want to go in one direction. Because you're kind of laying down. The paper stretching with the water. And you don't want to go back in the other direction. You don't want to fidget with it. You don't want to fold that paper up. You get some weird folds or bumps. Like If you can get it to all lay down. Because you're going to come over with another layer of mud, again, as a finished coat. So you should be below that whole seam. You shouldn't be proud of that seam. Um, it shouldn't be sticking out. You should be proud of it, but you shouldn't be proud sticking out from that seam. You should be below it because you're going to come back in 20 minutes when it starts to set. And you're going to use that same trowel that you've been keeping really clean, that 12 or 14 inch trowel, and you're going to come that back and knock everything down, scraping it across the top because that plaster is hard enough that it's not unlike joint compound. If you come in before the joint compound's fully set and try to scrape it, it just kind of deflakes it off. But if you come in on that hot plaster after it's kicked, but there's still a little moisture and it's still a little soft, um, you can scrape it with that trowel and make it all clean and nice. And it doesn't 
flake it off. If you put it on too thick or it was like kicking as you put it on, this is the moment you might notice it didn't actually really sink in. This is where that the moisture content, like getting it right, matters. Um, that you might notice now some mistakes you made. But you might not notice those mistakes because you might have done it perfectly. Because you've been thinking about it a lot and you've really been focused on your sheetrock in your life. And that's important. You know, it's important to focus on things like sheetrock in your life. So that knocking it down after it's kicked, that's also where you don't want to be mixing up so much hot mud. You're just chasing after the whole thing. You get to the end of the day and you forgot to knock things down because then you got to sand them and then they're actually way harder to sand and you're going to be really sad about how you sand all this stuff. If you do your job right, you shouldn't be doing much sanding at all. Maybe a little hand sanding. Maybe you got some sandpaper on a two by four block and you're just quickly like buffing over the surface. But if you had Jorge helping you, he's going to be done. He's going to be like, you don't need to see this shit, dude. Look at this. It doesn't, you don't need to fucking sand anything. Um, so that mud kicks. Come back over with your trowel at the right time and carefully scrape it. And now you're knocking all that high parts and maybe like there's a little part you had to fix a part you missed with the trowel you left like a little line a plaster on something and like you, you didn't see it but then when you come back with the trowel now you're just like scraping over the walls you're knocking down all those screw heads and everything is just like crisping up really nice it's just like you're knocking it all off get it all off get a damp rag and wipe the whole thing and it's okay to wipe it because it's plaster and it's hard enough. It's not going to rub off or like come off from a little damp cloth like joint compound would. It's going to stay there and you're going to be able to get it clean and prepped. And now you're coming in for your finished coat, hopefully. Or maybe you're going to do another skim coat over the whole thing. So now you're going to mix up another batch of mud. This one you might want just a little bit thinner. Just a little bit thinner because you're going to be skim coating the whole thing so that you're going over those seams and finishing that seam and getting that seam fully flush with the wall so that you can't see it anymore and it's flush. And then you're going to be skim coating the whole wall because you got all those screw heads covered, but really, like, the difference in texture and moisture absorption from that screw head to the sheetrock wall, you'll notice it. And so you want to skim coat the whole wall now with plaster, but not, like, thick. You don't want to go and crazy. Same thing. You want to just, like, you're just, like, laying down one really thin layer with your trowel. This is where, like, that finesse of the trial really matters and like doing it um, just so really matters you're getting good at the trial now you're kind of starting to feel like you could do this for the rest of your life and that's good you should feel that way um, so you're going to skim coat that whole thing 
And then again, same thing, let it dry and come back and knock it down. And then you might even be, if you're really feeling pro, you're going to come back with one more really nice finesse coat, like a fucking polished coat of plaster where you're just like, you've pulled in that skim coat is like filled in all your cracks and jumped everything up to a super even surface. And now you're just coming back with like one more perfect pass of plaster to just like perfectly just lay a little like paper thin coat of perfect polishy plaster on there. Um, it's almost like when you're finishing cement and you're kind of like doing this like last little bit of perfection on there and you're buffing the whole thing out with your trowel and making it uh, you know just so uh, so you might want to just get some plaster and do some practice uh, and really get good at finessing this perfect perfect coat of plaster because now that you're into this idea of doing perfect perfect things well here we are that work again isn't that exciting um Perfect plaster coats. We'll have to talk more about sheetrock. Um, maybe cutting sheetrock with that utility knife. You know, scoring the paper and be able to snap the sheetrock. Um, repairing sheetrock that's in place cutting holes in it and then being able to patch it in ways that you can like put a little board behind it and screw things together. You might want to be able to do that. Um, big thick mud filling with that knife. Now that you're good at like skim coating with plaster, you might want to be able to get good at like mixing up a thicker batch and like patching weird crazy holes. Um, I feel like it, you know, it was really just like, it was hard for me um, to learn about plaster and like really get that finesse. But once I learned about it and understood it, man, I just love using plaster. So I think it's a way, way better way to go. And hopefully you feel the same way next time you're doing your important art show and, um, you're thinking about whether you should use plaster or joint compound. Maybe you're going to want to use plaster. Then again, maybe you're going to want to use joint compound because the art show is going to come down in a month and you have to tear out that wall and you're going to be really bummed when you have to do all that work and then also rip that plaster out. But you're already asleep now, so at this point, you're not, you don't really care. You're just sleepy. You're really glad that we got to talk all this time and have a big snooze and a sleep. 
And now I'm going to go make some glass stuff. Um, what are we going to talk about later? I don't know. I do want to talk about welding again. Um, metal stuff is pretty fun. Um, flame working. Also would like to talk about that, about um, glass, little beads and things. That would be fun to talk about. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Um, this end the message. Bye for now.